stories from around the corner and around the country. You're listening to All the Best. Proudly supported by the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that I'm recording from stolen Gadigal land and pay my respect to Gadigal elders past and present and also recognise that the area where FBI Radio is situated, Redfern, has long been a place of storytelling, strength, resistance and resilience for First Nations communities. Hey, I'm Madhura Prakash, and you're listening to All the Best on FBI Radio 94.5. This week, we're back in the realm of World Pride 2023, sharing stories about the value of community. Every LGBTQIA individual knows the profound value of finding and spending time with the people that make us feel safe and seen. Listen on as we bring you into the midst of these communities. First up, I head to Mardi Gras Fair Day to explore perceptions and experiences of the drag king community. My name is Madura, and by day, I'm a regular lesbian, but by night, I become someone else. His name is Manish Interest, and he is a drag king. What does a drag king do? Why don't I let some of my fellow kings tell you? My name is Freddie Merkin. I've always grown up loving Freddie Mercury and thought he's just an icon of icons, the gayest campus, most fabulous man that I thought, let's let's stick with that as my kind of, uh, my vibe for drag. Tell us about your drag, Woody. I'm the rootinest, tootinest cowboy in the inner west. I am a puppet king. Love me a little, a little puppet on my hand. Um, love me some comedy, some musical theatre. Um, yeah, just a fun little blend of cowboy shenanigans and musical theatre. Lawrence is a bit of a, he likes to think that he's a bit smooth, but um, really he's, he's a hopeless romantic, he's quite unlucky in love, a lot of, a lot of tragic ballads and such. Um, but me, I, I like to use a lot of props, I like to do a lot of costume reveals, I like to tell a narrative. Um, just this recently, I, I, I did a gig where I, I caught a fish and then I put a harness on it and I rode it like a cowboy. I've been wanting to explore the queer community's relationship to kings. We see queens everywhere, thanks to shows like RuPaul's Drag Race, but while kings have existed for just as long, we haven't quite had our time in the sun. So I headed to the hub of gay activity that is Mardi Gras Fair Day to learn more. And I'll admit, I went in with some preconceived notions about what people might say. And I was proven pretty wrong. But I see drag kings as just as flamboyant as drag queens are. Have you seen a drag king perform? I have. I love drag kings. They're amazing. Oh, they're fabulous. Yes, yes, I've met quite a few performing around town at a drag expo and different events that I've been to. So, yeah, they're wonderful. So clearly the queer community has a lot of respect for what we do. But to get a better sense of the drag king experience, I had to talk to kings. I've had some elderly women get really touchy-feely and being like, 
are you a man or are you like a woman? And I'd be like, oh, you. So it's sort of like one of those things where I'm like, um, I think it for drag kings, it like wears us down a lot more to be constantly like trying to be like, oh yeah, like, by the way, remember that I exist. Yeah. It's not just like enough to um, like perform and be in spaces. It's like, you've really got to carve out your own space in a way yeah. that doesn't seem like it's like the same for like drag queens where, um, yeah, they're just like more likely to get picked up quicker and have to do less explaining about yeah. what they are and what they do and yeah. During a promotional run, um, when they went from monthly to fortnightly, they said, we are Wollongong's most inclusive event. We have queens every fortnight. The most common thing I get is, oh, I didn't even know there was a drag king. Like, I didn't know what a drag king is. Everyone knows what a drag queen is. Um, and of course, with RuPaul's, the exposure is so heavy. But actually, we've been around for a long time. These aspects of being a drag king definitely resonate with my own experience. And while this can be disheartening, I kept thinking back on some of the things fair day goers were telling me about how kings impacted them. And talked about that same um, feeling of tapping into a different persona that's inside of you and what that can unlock and how you can establish a different side of yourself and yeah. be able to share that with others. And everyone brings their own style and flavour to it, so it's uh, it's it's great to have a different, uh, a, such a broad range of yeah. of characters and that sort of thing, yeah. These ideas of liberation and diversity for the viewer honestly parallel what us kings feel about performing. I'm just living out my 2012 typo moustache era fantasy. So I think I do it for 12-year-old Annie who just wanted to be gay and have a moustache and be yeah. a boy. Getting to sort of live out this persona and getting to even doing day drag, like walking around when I have less severe makeup on and really just a stash and short hair, I can pass, right? Um, and it's really, it's gender affirming for me and, and it's really great. Um, specifically, specifically Kingery because I get to tap into an entire history of drag kings from, for centuries. Like as a history student, I can attest to several um, hundred years worth of, of amazing kings and male impersonators who have come before me and just getting to continue that tradition is just it's it's a it's an honor the thing that brings me most joy about getting into drag like this is attending events where I can have visibility amongst people who may not see that this exists so especially our young people and our youth that may feel like they want to give something like this a go but they don't have the visibility where they live or in the circles they move and they see someone like me doing this and loving it and being proud of who they are and I may change their life by doing that. At the end of the day, the beauty of being a drag king is the lack of rules and expectations and the abundance of freedom. Every king is different and the LGBTQ audience thrives of seeing this freedom represented on stage. So next time you get the chance, I really do encourage you to head to a drag king show. And when you do, Learn your lessons from me and leave your expectations at the door. Drag kings are really cool, but we can also be Massive losers nerds. a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's all, it's yeah. all, that's the point is that we're not just like these like super sexy, hunky yeah. guys. We're just like. We're dorks. Yeah, we're dorks. And we like, just like to, you know, we do, do our little dances. And we like putting stage. little mustaches on yeah, our faces exactly, as adults. Exactly. Like, I mean, it's very slow, but it's also like. Yeah. Geeky.
That story was produced by me, Madhura Prakash. Recording that story was really surprising because it made me rethink some of my own assumptions about the queer community. It reminded me that it's impossible to characterize any community with a broad brush. Either way, support your local drag artists, king or otherwise. The Instagram handles of the kings in the story will be linked on our website. You're listening to All the Best on FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Madhura Prakash. All the Best is a great place to learn the art of audio storytelling. Never made a story before? No problem. No experience is required. If you'd like to make a story for the show, get in touch. Visit allthebestradio.com. For our last story, we're revisiting a tale from the archives that further explores the importance of finding your people for those of marginalised gender identities. This is Danny's story. I suppose I started thinking about my gender from when, like, when I was younger, but all that kind of looked like was more people just thinking, like, I'm a tomboy, I don't like particularly feminine things, and it wasn't until I got to the end of high school where I started finding the language and the words to kind of explain that it's just more than just being into more masculine things or not being particularly feminine as people would expect me to be. I realised it was more than just simply having a different expression when I started seeing these YouTube videos pop up that were like other trans people explaining their own sort of experience and I remember thinking like that is exactly what I would explain it as but I didn't know how to and completely relating to that and thinking of my gender and realising how much I didn't feel female in my brain just did not compute. I'd never heard the word trans before growing up and so Somehow I came across these YouTube videos of people like explaining the word trans and non-binary and all these different things that I just related so completely to. And that was when I sort of seriously started exploring that for myself. After I kind of started exploring these things more seriously, I ended up starting coming to jets, particularly rainbow space, and finding other people that had similar experiences to me, were the same age as me, and it had this really open and safe place to kind of just explore that for myself and not feel like people are gonna try and invalidate that or reject it or tell me that I'm wrong. I originally started straight out of high school in nursing and that wasn't for me, but throughout that process and then starting realising that I was really more into youth work was kind of like happening at the same time that I was trying to discover my identity and I kind of discovered that I wanted to help create or be that safe place for other young people trying to discover theirs. It was 
after I had left high school that I was able to experiment with different pronouns, which I only exclusively used at Jets to start with. And then as I became more confident in that and more sure that I was able to sort of start using that in high school, they had not even changed the uniform dress code to allow for people to wear what they felt most comfortable in. It was very gendered and separated, which was extremely uncomfortable. Say I wanted to wear like shorts and pants more, but because I was a female at that point, I was not allowed and exclusively dresses and skirts or pants that were different. They tried to like feminize them. So I didn't really feel comfortable. I knew I wanted to wear a different uniform, but the school didn't really allow that. So between that and other people really putting the pressure to be more feminine as I like grew up being a teenager, I sort of gave into that pretty much all through high school and just wore dresses, tried to wear makeup and like let my hair be long. I hated it, but it was kind of making everyone else comfortable and happy and trying not to rock the boat. There weren't really any openly trans or gender diverse people in high school when I was there until I was almost finished year 12. And that was the time when they had just started having what they called the standout group, which was for LGBTQ plus students. But it was very, very new and a lot of them were quite a bit younger than me which was kind of weird because I felt like I should be more of a role model yet they were so much further along in their journey than maybe I was. I feel like prior to coming out I had a lot of coming out to myself first so when I'd kind of accepted and like was more sure in this is who I am. I was supported to go and get my first haircut, which was way more impactful than I ever thought something as simple as a haircut could be. My hair was so long and so much a part of how people saw me as female. And I would often just use it to kind of hide behind. I hated it. I didn't really care about it. And then I got that haircut and I was like, so overcome with emotion that it was like, this is so, for me, tied in with how I express my own gender. And then from then, I started more and more changing up my wardrobe, expressing myself in a more androgynous or masculine way as I felt more comfortable. And then I sort of tested the waters by coming out to a few people that I knew were safe. So I had one or two friends that were openly queer and some of them surprised me by literally being like yeah we kind of already guessed that <laughs> which was surprising to me because I didn't even really know it for myself for such a long time and I didn't think it was that obvious. I was like really nervous to come out to people that had been in my life for a long time. I was using they them pronouns in like exclusively queer spaces at Jets. It was like more of a minority of situations for me at that point and then I changed my name but that became complicated because I was trying to keep track of to who I was out to or not and then 
once I had become very solid, it was, like, way too stressful to try and keep it from certain people and, like, what if they found out? So once I had moved out of my family situation, I felt more of, like, a safer distance from it that if something bad happened, then I wouldn't be kind of stuck in that. So in October 2020, I came out over text to my family members and then about a week later on National Coming Out Day, I made like a big Facebook post, changed my name, and so it became a minority of spaces that I was out to a majority, which was insane to me. Initially, it was a lot of pretty accepting, like, positive responses to my post and my messages, especially on Facebook. It was incredibly overwhelming as there were a lot more people that were quite accepting of it and encouraging and supportive. In my family, for the most part, there was a bit of an adjustment period because for the first 21 years of my life, I was known as one name and seen in some way. And then now they've had to adjust that. But for the, the most part, most of them have been pretty good with the exception of one or two who even now still kind of think it's a phase or like I was disrespectful in changing my name or haven't really changed their language. Consistently either dead naming me or avoiding using my current name and just very feminine terms when referring to me. For some people, the change can be hard or if they don't understand it, then they're not gonna, which is kind of why I hope awareness and representation can hopefully normalise the conversations a bit more and help people understand it. There definitely has been an improvement in media representation and having transgender issues brought to the forefront. There's still definitely a lot of things that need addressing or improvement or change, but even just a whole bunch of celebrities in the spotlight coming out as trans or gender diverse has really sort of helped people understand like how to use they them pronouns more or that there's more than like one way to be trans and normalizing the different experiences that people have rather than kind of just the binary trans experience, which was kind of what was more what people thought of when they heard the word transgender. December last year, I first started going on hormones and I was surprised at how much more like myself I feel in that because I was so on the fence I had all these people telling me that you're going to regret it, it's not reversible, it's like such a big decision, you need to think about it. So I was so nervous doing it. Those voices got in my head being like, what if this is just something that I made up? Or, which obviously it isn't, but particularly having things like my voice change and coming across not quite so much as female has been really affirming and exciting process. Legally changing my name, also exciting, incredibly stressful, because they don't make it easy. There's a lot of paperwork and things people have to sign and waiting and 
applications. And then once you get the birth certificate changed, then you have to change everywhere else individually. Getting to certain places and realising you haven't legally changed your name there and people getting confused and maybe mistakenly dead naming you. Now I'm at the point where pretty much, with the exception of one or two places, having legally changed my name nearly everywhere, it's become a lot less of the dead naming unless people knew me before, which has been nice. <laughs> On one part, I can see it from their point of view because it's an accident, like maybe they don't know. But if they do it purposely, or even when it does happen, it just feels like kind of like a slap in the face. It just affirms that I did the right thing and I am who I am and that is not me. Whilst it was a very vulnerable and exposing and challenging process, I definitely wouldn't change it because it's been very freeing and just having that room for exploration and being able to express myself way more freely and feel like I'm more myself than I ever was. Another more challenging part or the things that I think the system needs to work on is just access, not just normalising trans and gender diverse experiences and specific services for those people because it's very under-resourced. But things like gender-affirming treatment, there's extremely long waiting list to even get hormones, let alone things like binders or surgery. Particularly for myself, wanting to get top surgery as part of like the last big chunk of my medical transition and the fact that the government counts it as elective surgery, therefore not covered by Medicare, making people either have to wait many, many years to save up or spend all of their money because it's upwards of eight grand. Really, really plays on trans people's like mental health, worsens their gender dysphoria and just makes that already difficult experience that much more difficult. That story was produced by Duncan Steffen, with sound design by Persephone Waxman. All the best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to elders past and present. All the best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal land in association with SIN and 3RRR on Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Woonwurrung lands and ACCC on Arunde and Waramungu lands. The All the Best editorial manager is Mel Chun, and Phoebe Adler-Ryan is our production manager. Our social media producer is Timothy Nguyen. Shining Bird composed our theme music, and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network, and we're made possible by the Art Gallery of New South Wales and the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Madhura Prakash, All the Best trainee and special host for World Pride. Thanks for listening.
Keep it. 